Hey, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church. And I just want to personally thank you for listening to our podcast. And I also want to invite you wherever you are around the country or in the Tampa Bay area to join our digital online campus at centerpointfl.org. And here's what you need to know. Our vision is to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And all that means is, regardless of whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you're new to faith, you're investigating faith, or you don't even know what you believe, our goal is for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. Um, my name is Nicole Golden. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is an honor and a privilege to be with you guys. Um, I love getting the opportunity to speak, and um, so this is going to be fun. Um, I just wanted to remind you, next week, Bryant starts um, the series My Church. It's a two-week series. You are not going to want to miss it. It is a great opportunity for you to come and figure out how Centerpoint isn't just a church, how it can become your church. So you're going to want to make sure you're here, that you invite. I love these Sundays. So much fun. And then this Friday um, is our night, celebration night, night of worship. Um, and we are going to have Centerpoint music here with us. It's going to be so much fun. This is going to be your opportunity to make connection and to get to know other people. And as soon as I say that, some of you panic because you're like, I am terrible at making connections. I am terrible at meeting new people. I am terrible at making friends. And can I just say, I am so glad you're here today because that's everything we're going to talk about. So perfect. So glad you came. Um, someone asked me before first service, if I was gonna make them cry today. And I was like, I don't think so. I was like, honestly, this message is out of my wheelhouse because normally I preach on mental illness and death. So this is something very new for me, um, talking about things like friendships, right? It's super um, different. So I've been the most nervous I've ever been about a message um, just because it's so different, like talking about something light and fun, like weird, you know? Um, so I'm so glad you guys are here. When we think of friendships, so often we think of friendship unrealistic. Right? We think of friends by what we see on TV. And I know that sounds crazy, but prove me wrong, right? So many of us grew up watching Friends or Seinfeld, if you're part of our older group, right? Um, how many of you are Ted Lasso fans? Okay, good. We got a Ted Lasso group here. Very small group, but I'll take it. All right. How I Met Your Mother. Now the remake of How I Met Your Father. Like we think of friends like three to five people that know everything about us. Oh, I forgot New Girl. How many New Girl friends do we have? Okay, there we go. That's more than Ted Lasso, but I love New Girl. I'll take it. Um, so we think we have to have, you know, two or three best friends that know everything about us. And we've gone through several life seasons with them. And we either end up married to them or they marry our best friends. And then and we end up having kids together. And if we aren't meeting that ideal in relationships, we think that we're doing it wrong. We think there's no point to it. And we think we will might as well just stay alone and single for the rest of our lives, right? And then there's other factors that play into this whole friendship thing, like our temperaments. So I'm an extrovert. I'm married to an introvert. Bryant, the lead pastor here, is my husband. He's an introvert. On stage, he does not seem like an introvert. But one-on-one, -on -one, very much so. And so I have like 5,000 friends, right? But my friendships are like a mile long and an inch deep. So like I know the Starbucks baristas, the people that work at Home Depot, everyone at Publix, my nail salon ladies. Like I know everybody, but I only know so much about everybody. Whereas Bryant knows no one except for maybe like two people, me and someone else. But he goes a mile deep with him, right? So like those two people he knows, he knows everything about. 
And so they're different temperaments. Here's what's really interesting. We need both temperaments, correct? So there's this thing called weak ties and strong ties in friendship. And oftentimes we only think of relationships um, in the strong ties realm, where we think the only relationships or friendships that matter are the ones that know us inside and out and everything about us. And those are the ones we put all of our time and attention to. But studies have shown that weak tie friendships are just as important in our lives as the strong tie friendships. Weak ties are all those kind of surface level acquaintance relationships we have. Because here's the thing, when you find yourself in the middle of a crisis and those two people you know are busy, who are you gonna call, you know? Ghostbuster, no. But who are you gonna call? And that's where some of these weak tie relationships become really important to us because we know a lot of different people in a lot of different places who are able to step in and fill the gap for us. So we need to be both the introvert and the extrovert sometimes. Sometimes we need to go a mile long and an inch deep and other times we need to go a mile deep and an inch long. They're both important. <clears throat> but then what happens in our lives is some of us, we end up getting married and we're like, well, my spouse is the only person I need. I have 5,000 kids, I have a job, I don't have any time to make any more relationships, so I'm done. Or we go through seasons like the pandemic where we're isolated and we realize that just being by ourselves is a lot easier than letting people into our lives. It's a lot less work, a lot less drama. And so we just stick to faking it till we make it on social media, have a few people we interact with there, and that's the end of it. And then there's some of us, and I really appreciate like the people who have reached out to me and just been like, listen, Nicole, I'm a grown adult, but I have no idea how to make friends. Are any of you there today? Can any of you be honest? Like, we take it for granted as kids, right? We're in the same vicinity all the time. We have kids, we, go to, we, we went to school with the same kids, and we got into college, and you have your roommates. Like, as you're growing up, you have people that are in your life that you have no choice but to be friends with them or you just stay annoyed at them, you know? But then when we become adults, we have the choice of whether or not we're going to make friendships and make relationships, and some of us have just forgotten how to. But it is so important for us to have friendships and to have relationships, and here's why. Because God says that he made us in his image. Look at Genesis chapter one, verse 26. It says, God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. In other words, you were designed for community, but the only way for you to live in community is to live in relationships. See, when God said, let us make man in our image, he's talking as a plural personhood. God is the triune God. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And when I first initially made my notes, I put in parentheses, explain. But I'm not gonna try to explain that to you. So I need you to, by faith, accept that and then find someone much smarter than me to explain that to you. But God is three persons. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is operating in community. And so when he said, let us make man in our image, he wants to make a man who's going to operate in community just as he does. One source said it this way, Genesis 1 makes this point only of mankind, indicating that the image of God should be seen not merely individualistically, but communally. Just as God himself exists with, within loving community, Father, Son, and Spirit experiencing eternal and perfect love, mankind bears God's image in relationships of community and love. In other words, we are the image bearers of God, but we don't fully represent the picture of who he is when we're living on our own. The only times people can actually get an accurate view of who God is, is when we're living in community. And this is one reason why I've struggled so much saying that I am a Christian over the past couple of years, 
because Christians or the church as a whole has done a terrible time of representing who God actually is. We've been divisive, we've been hurtful, we have been conniving, we've been deceptive, we have been purposely attacking other people that just don't agree with us, and we've felt threatened when we should be some of the most confident, loving people in the world, and we should be operating in community and in unity to fully represent who Jesus Christ is. And so we were designed for relationships, we were designed for friendships, but, but here's the problem. Traumatic experiences make us feel unsure and unsafe. And after I wrote my notes, I started thinking, not just traumatic experience, but sometimes just our temperaments, right? Just our personalities tend to make us feel a little unsure and unsafe. There's been a couple of studies done, and I'm gonna reference two books today. Um, This first book I'm gonna reference is I'll See You Tomorrow. It's by Dr. Um, Heather Thompson Day and her husband Seth Day, and it talks about relational resilience. This is an incredible book to get. Um, I loved this book, and in it, she cites numerous examples and studies done on relationships and friendships, and so um, one of the... um, things that she mentioned was called the Norman Dorr Principle. Have any of you heard of this, the Norman Dorr Principle? Okay, so basically this is what this means. If a door has handles on it, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to pull it, right? So if everyone would just look at exhibit A, these doors in the back, these are incorrect doors. They have handles on them, but you push them, you do not pull them. So I don't know how many of you have tried to pull these back doors open and been so embarrassed, you are not the problem. The door is the problem. And Norman told us the door is the problem and he had the Norman door based after him, right? So here's what your brain is telling you. Your brain is saying, okay, that door has a handle on it, which means I should pull it. Your brain is not wrong, the door is wrong. Your brain is telling you to do the correct thing. This happens in relationships. You've been in a relationship with a parent or a best friend or a pastor or a spouse or a partner, um, a business colleague, someone that should have been safe. Your brain interpreted that person in that relationship as this is a parent, this person should be safe. This is a best friend, this person should be safe. That's a pastor, that pastor should be safe. And so you are operated in that relationship as though you were safe. And some of you found out really quickly that you were not safe. And then a lot of people questioned why you still remained in that situation even though you were not safe. And that's because your brain kept telling you, no, 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 we should be safe. We should be safe in this situation. That's why a lot of us have experienced spiritual abuse or physical abuse or verbal abuse or sexual abuse, and we've had trouble getting out of the abusive relationship because our brain is saying, no, 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 this relationship should be safe. And it isn't until we start to actually operate opposite of what that relationship is that we realize, oh my gosh, I am not safe. There was another study done that incorporated the use of dogs, and I, and I love dogs, I have a dog, I'm not condoning this, but this is a really powerful experiment that was done. They took a group of dogs and they put them in a cage that was safe, and they took another group of dogs and put them in a cage where they were shocked them repeatedly. And then they opened the doors to both of the cages. Which dogs do you think came out first? The ones that were safe. They came out first because they had nothing to fear. But the dogs that had experienced the pain, they were afraid to leave that painful situation because they knew that painful situation. They knew what to expect. They knew what they had to experience. And the thought of leaving that and experiencing something even worse 
was terrifying. And the scientists had to come into the cage and drag those dogs out for them to come out into the safety. And what I wanna tell you today is, is that God may be calling one of you to reach into the cage and to pull a friend out of a traumatic, abusive situation. And then God may be calling some of the rest of you that have been that shocked dog in that cage. And God may be saying, can you please come out and end this generational baggage? Can you come out and put an end to this abuse? Can you come out and start living in health and safety? See, God has a plan and a purpose for all of our lives, but we can only meet that plan and that purpose when we are living in relationship. Proverbs 18.1 says, the man who isolates himself is not wise, and we become discouraged and disillusioned and overwhelmed because we are trying to fulfill the purpose of God's plan for our lives on our own, by ourselves. And we can't do that. We are designed in the image of God. We were designed for community. And so for us to find lasting purpose for our lives, we have to live in community. We have to make relationships. See, God brings people into our lives for certain seasons and certain reasons. And what I wanna tell you today is, is that you have a slew of people in your corner. You actually have a whole community of people in your life, but you aren't recognizing them, so God can't use them. And what I wanna help you do today is I wanna help you recognize the people that God has placed in your life for a specific reason in a certain season so that God can use these people in your life. And you know what? Maybe God has a specific plan for you to be used in someone else's life. But in order to figure that out, you have to take the first step. So I'm gonna reference this book a lot. This is called The Life Council by Dr. Um, oh, she's not a doctor, my bad. Sorry, Laura. By Laura Tremaine. <laughs> and yes, this is a woman who wrote a book mainly to women, but I got so excited as I was reading this book, I basically read the whole thing to Bryant and he loved it. So I'm here to tell you boys, you can enjoy this too, okay? And I'm here to tell you boys, some of you need this more than us girls. Sorry, love you. okay? So we are gonna look today at 12 friendship seats in our lives. 12 different kind of friends, not 12, 11. Some of you are already counting the seats. I don't know why I wanted to say 12. 11 different seats of friends, different kinds of friends in our lives. And each of these friends have a different purpose. Now, some of you are like, oh my gosh, Nicole, you were talking about one or two friends and that overwhelmed me. Now you're giving me 11, okay? Again, I want to encourage you. I think these people are already in your life. You just have to open your eyes. You just have to look around. You just have to be aware. Again, I'm gonna say, until you recognize these people, God can't use these people in your life. And until you start to see even what seats are available, you won't know what seats to sit in um, in other people's lives. And what's gonna be super fun about this is as I go through this, all of a sudden you're gonna be like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that person was in that chair. Well, that's fun. Or wait, that chair's empty in my life. Maybe that's what I bring to somebody else. And so before we even get started, if you would just real quickly just say like, God, just help me recognize the people you've already brought into my life. Help me to see the people that are already in my corner. Help me maybe to see the chairs that I can sit in in other people's lives. And then let, give me the courage and the wisdom to do it. So the first friend we're gonna look at is the daily routine friend. And there's gonna be a definition up on the screen. These are also gonna be in your notes on the CC app, so don't feel like, oh my gosh, I'm missing something. You can go back and look at it. But the daily routine friend, this is someone who is a part of your regular everyday life. They carry us through the weeks, months, and years that make up our life. 
So these are people that they don't necessarily know your deepest, darkest secrets, but they know your daily schedule, they know where you grocery shop, they know what you have in your fridge at any point of time, they know all your kids' schedules, they know what pets you have and how to take care of those pets. Um, They're the ones you ask to run errands for you to pick your kids up from school. They're the people that you ask to drive you to the doctor's office. These are the people that you can rely on to do all the nitty gritty things in our lives. And what trips us up sometimes is that just because we think we see this person every single day, we think that they have to be like our best friend. And sometimes these people fit into that category, but sometimes they don't. Sometimes they are just refreshing to be around because you don't go any deeper than, hey, my kid was throwing up all day, so I can't get my other kid. Can you go pick him up? And then they pick him up and bring you a Starbucks, you know? That is the daily friend. But again, I think sometimes we put so much pressure on this person to not only be our daily friend, but to be our best friend, that when it's not working out, we drop them like they're hot, and we're like, well, I'm lonely again. And so we've got to learn to let the daily routine friend be the daily routine friend. And I know you guys have daily routine friends. I know whether it's at your kid's school or the t-ball field or the gym where you work out or the Starbucks you go to every day to work. I know you have daily routine friends, but you just have to open your eyes and recognize them so that God can use them in your life. The next friend is the old friend, the old friend. Now, this is someone who has seen you go through more than one season in life. Here's what Laura Tremaine said. She said, the old friend is someone who has seen you, (laughs) what I just said, through at least one stage of your life, season of your life. So this is someone who maybe saw you walk through that divorce. Maybe this is someone who watched you walk through that change in occupation. Maybe this is someone who watched you move cross country. Maybe this is someone who watched you in your single years and now you're married. Your pre-kids and now your kids. This is someone who has seen you through one stage into another. Now, old is subjective, okay? So this doesn't have to be someone that's been in your life for 20 years. And then those of you who are like, I have no friends who have seen me from one season to the next. You do not need to be worked up about this. Start working now towards that, right? Start putting yourself in places and situations where you can start to develop an old friend. But these guys are super fun because they've seen you through multiple seasons and you don't have to explain yourself. You don't have to even talk to them every day. You can go years without talking to these people, but they will show up in your life. I have a friend like that who after my brother died, she was living in South Carolina at the time. We'd known each other since middle school. She drove down to South, from South Carolina without telling me, showed up at my house and helped me clean my house and put an entertainment center together because I guess that's what I thought I needed to do when my brother died. Grief makes you do really weird things. Um, and she did all of that without me even asking and then literally left the next day. That was it. That's what old friends are for and that's how God uses old friends in our lives. The work friend, I love the work friend. Now. You guys screw up these work friends constantly, okay? And here's why. Because you think the work friends are gonna be your best friends, and so you try to hang out with them outside of work, and it is weird, okay? So here's what you gotta do. Leave the work friend at work, okay? They're leaving you at work. Leave the work friend at work. You guys can connect over your work things, all right? Now, this is what Laura Tremaine said. She said, it's someone you can talk shop with, someone you can vent to about the boss. Now, that's weird for me. Because I sleep with my boss. (laughs) I'm married to him, guys. Get out of the gutter. Um, But yeah, you could talk about the boss and then someone who will join you for a much needed lunch break. So let these be people that you just talk to about work, all right? Your partner, your 
roommate or your whatever you have in your life, they don't want to hear about work when you get home. That's what you talk to this person about, okay? That's their role, the work friend. Um, the next one, this is one of my favorites. This is the fellow obsessive. And as I was reading this book, I was going through my Ted Lasso days. And if you uh, have your Ted Lasso days. All right, so I had been season one and season two. Season three, the final season was just starting. And as I was going through it, Ted Lasso is a lot, deals a lot with mental health. So this was right in my wheelhouse. And so I was literally talking about this TV show 24-7 with Bryant, who started out loving it and then hated it by the time it was like day four of me like picking apart all the characters and everything. So I was like, I've got to do something. So I found a group of friends friends who were just as obsessed, and I actually created a text chat, um, and I called it Ted Lasso Support Group, Um, and we would text multiple times a week, and I'm not just saying like little, I mean like literal like breakdowns of what's happening in this show. We could have started a podcast, Um, and it was so refreshing to me because some of those people in that group I had known for a while. Some of those people in that group I wanted to get to know, but it was like that weird thing of like, how do you start, you know, and then when I realized we all love Ted Lasso. I'm like, this is super easy. And here's what I'm going to tell you. I've actually gotten to know some of those people so much better. Um, Some of them watched a pet for me while I was gone for two weeks. That's real love and real friendship. Um, Others of them, like we've kind of springboarded off of Ted Lasso. Now we're into Star Wars. I just, it's weird what happens when you have kids and the things you get into. Um, and so again, these obsessive friends, it starts over something silly or something funny, but then they really develop into something pretty awesome. And maybe these people, it'll fizzle out now that Ted Lasso's done. I don't think so though. I think this could end up being something more where we really develop a cool relationship and friendship as a result of that silly TV show that's amazing and you need to watch it with 21 Emmys. Um, the next one is the battle buddy. This is actually um, a military term for talking about someone that you go into war with. And the battle buddy is a little bit deeper. Here's what the battle buddy is. It's someone who has shared a difficult experience, one you soldier through together. Now, you can soldier through the same experience at the same time, or it can be something where you've soldiered through it, and then a couple of years later, they're now soldiering through it. And so I've had a couple of friends in the past year who have lost parents and siblings in similar ways to how Bryant and I lost his mom and I lost my brother. And it's been a really unique relationship. Um, I was already close with these people, but now knowing we share similar like stories and traumatic experiences around death, it's brought us closer. And I think in a way, I had certain people in my life that came alongside of us that were like, hey, we get this, you're gonna be okay. Like right now it seems really dark, but you're gonna be okay. And I've been able to come alongside and feel what these people are feeling probably more than anyone else. And then also be able to be like, hey, I'm gonna give you space. I'm not going to panic. It may look dark. You may struggle a little bit, but you're going to be okay. And that's the importance of the battle buddy. The sucky thing about the battle buddy means that you've both had to walk through really dark things. But the blessing of the battle buddy is that you can kind of cheer each other through those things and give them the space to struggle, but also offer that protection to say, hey, you're going to get to the other side. Um, The yes friend. I love the yes friend. The yes friend is super fun. (sighs) Okay. 
I think I'm the yes friend in a lot of people's lives, but maybe I'm just thinking too highly of myself. Here's the yes friend. It's someone who isn't mindless or spineless, thank you. They're just fun. They're spirited. They're the life of the party. Their yes comes from a place of adventure and enthusiasm, and the value they bring to our lives are pretty much unmatched. So these are the people that you like, you love them, but you hate them. Because anytime you bring up anything like, hey, let's go do this, they're like, yes, let's do it now, you know? And you're like, dang it, I did not mean now, but okay, you know? Um, these are the people that get you out of your own heads, they get you out of your funks, but their yeses are different with your seasons of life, right? So a yes when you're 21 is gonna look very different than a yes, hopefully, when you're, you know, my age, which is 25. I do not know why you're laughing, okay? So their yeses ebb and flow with your seasons of life. But the yes friend is super fun. We all need yes friends. We all need those people that we can turn to when we're just in a funk. And we're not necessarily, I mean, sometimes you will go deep with your yes friends. But your yes friends are there to be like, hey, you look like you're discouraged right now. You look like you're stuck. You look like you're in your own head. Can we just go have fun? Can you just laugh? Can you just let down for a minute? Maybe we'll just go sit in a Starbucks and drink coffee together. Maybe we'll run to Target. Maybe we'll build something. I don't know what guys, fishing, whatever you do guys together, but just someone who comes into your life and helps you have some fun and breathe for a minute. Yes friends are invaluable. If you have a yes friend, you need to thank them and just thank them. The next one is the mentor. This is a difficult seat because this isn't one where someone's just gonna necessarily sit down. Now here's the thing. I think you all have mentors in your life. You just haven't asked them to be a mentor. And a good mentor isn't gonna just walk in and sit down and be like, hello, I'm your mentor, okay? If you have people like that in your life, ee, you know? Um, I've had people who have walked in and tried to do that, and I'm like, I don't wanna touch you with a 10-foot pole, okay? But I'm right now thinking of about three different ladies in my mind who could potentially be mentors, and I just need to ask them. And it's funny because I, for a while, was like, there's no mentors in my life, there's no mentors in my life. And then I was reading this book, and I'm like, oh man, I have several I can ask. But we have to be vulnerable and humble enough to ask. Now, these mentors do not need to be way older than you, right? What I would say about a mentor is it just needs to be someone who's a season or two ahead of you, okay? So you may be the same age, but they started having kids younger than you, and they're in the teenage years, and you're in the toddler years, okay? Or maybe this is someone who's further ahead of you in ministry, or maybe this is someone who's further ahead of you at your job, or maybe this is someone who, you know, um, just got married, or this is someone who, you know, has been single for a while, and you're struggling with your singleness. I, it could be a, just about any area of life, but this is someone who's about a season ahead of you that you can connect with to just be like, teach me your ways, Obi-Wan, right? Help me navigate this season of my life. Show me the steps I should take. Walk with me. And I'm gonna tell you, <clears throat> a mentor that's worth their salt is gonna love to be asked. I love talking about kids. I love talking about marriage. I love talking about mental health. All of those things are in my wheelhouse. I was gonna say, I won't talk to you about them unless you ask, but we all know that's not true. But I do love to be asked, okay? I love to walk alongside of people with those things. So a true mentor who's worth their salt, they will love to be asked, so you do not need to be afraid of that. The next one is the password protector. Um, Laura Tremaine says, this is someone who has the keys to your house. They have all the passwords to your phone and your computer. Um, so here's the thing. A lot of us have the little app on our phone that keeps all of our passwords, right? So we're like, we don't need a password protector. 
But here is what I'm gonna tell you. In this age of technology and the slippery slope that technology is and the downward spiral that you can take super fast and the dark hole that it is, you should have someone that has your passwords just for accountability's sake, okay? And I'm talking about passwords to your Roku, to your Netflix, to your Amazon, um, to all your social media sites. Um, One thing just to be able to help keep track of all these things for sure, but the other reason is for accountability purposes. Um, For me, um, I'm probably gonna, this person is actually on our staff, our communications director. I probably need to give her all my passwords now that I'm talking about it. But she's someone, she kind of like keeps an eye on all my social medias for me um, because I I tend to get passionate. I tend to react to things faster than I think through things. And so there's been times where she's texted me and been like, hey, this isn't matching your heart. Like what you've put on social media isn't matching who you are. I think you need to rephrase it. Or there'll be times where people will come at come at Bryant or I um, and be super hurtful on social media and I'll just be at a loss as to how to respond and she'll actually go on and respond for us or she'll type something up for us. And so having these people in your corner are super, super helpful in the world of technology. So that's the password protector. The empty chair, I wanna sit here for a second, pun intended. Um, I'm not actually gonna sit though because these chairs are wobbly. Um, But the empty chair, this is what she says about the empty chair. The space that is there for all of us, whether we like it or not. You can see it as a seat representing reverence for a relationship that meant something sacred to you, one that you're not quite ready to let go of, or you can see it as a seat waiting to be filled by someone important who has yet to arrive in your life. It's a memorial, or it's a hope, or it's both. Now, I have an empty chair in my life, um, and I didn't realize till first service how emotional I was about it, so I'm gonna do my best to not get too emotional today. But I had a best friend um, all through college. We went to three different colleges over the span of five years together, and I walked through her dad's cancer, um, her a major breakup, another engagement, a marriage. We walked through all sorts of things together in those five years. And then after those five years, we both ended up down here in Florida, um, but she ended up working for the organization that hurt me really badly. Um, now, it was no problem she was working for them. Um, We had two totally different experiences, but that made it kind of tricky because she was all in with an organization that I just did not trust anymore for my own reasons. Um, And then I started going through some major healing in my own life, and so I started kind of seeing the world very differently than I had before. And then she ended up moving to Michigan. And so it just kind of came to this place where I was like, we're at an impasse, and I didn't know what to do, but it was kind of out of my hands, and and I had to just let the relationship go. And I struggled for a while. I mean, I had to have dreams about it. Um, I struggled emotionally with it because I was like, who is ever going to fill that chair Again, I tried to force people to sit in that spot that just weren't the same, and then it almost made it worse. And what I failed to do was to actually like appreciate it and mourn it. See, I don't think until we mourn the loss of a relationship or a friendship, we can truly appreciate it. And I think I had to get to the place too where I realized like it wasn't my fault that it ended and it wasn't her fault. It was different seasons. We were at different stages in our life and we were going in different directions and that was okay. The path she chose was awesome for her, just like the path I chose was awesome, awesome for me. But I had to let it go. 
And some of you, you are hanging on to relationships that the time has passed. That season, that reason, that time, that season, that reason has passed. And you are hanging on to that relationship for all it's worth. And you're missing out on the new opportunity this empty chair can bring. And you're missing out on the people that God has to sit there now. And so the empty chair. The next one is the new friend. And this is where a lot of you come to die. All right. So you meet a new person, and because they're not instantly one of these other people here, okay, or what we're going to talk about in a second, they're not a soulmate, you drop them like they're hot, and you empty them out of that chair super quickly. This is what I used to do, okay, up until like a week ago when I started like really studying this. I'm just joking. (laughs) But I would meet new people, okay, in fact, I have about three or four people all sharing that seat together, and I feel bad for them because they're probably uncomfortable, but I have about three or four brand new friends that I have sitting there. And what I would have done in the past was I would have gone in like hot and heavy. Okay, not the right words. I would have gone in like really strong, okay? And like tried to force them into spots that they weren't ready to sit in, okay? Your new friends, just let them chill here for a little while. God will reveal where they're gonna belong in the seats in your life, but you just need to let them sit for a second and just get to know them. Take the pressure off of yourself. These people do not need to be soulmates, okay? They may be one of these other chairs and fit beautifully in here, but take the pressure off of yourself. Stop feeling overwhelmed. Stop thinking that every new friend has to be a best friend. No, they don't. They may end up being a fellow obsessive. They may be a battle buddy. They may be an old friend. In fact, I'm gonna tell you this. I'm a fellow obsessive. I had several people that were just sitting in the new friend place, okay? And I was forcing, forcing, forcing friendship on them. And it just was not happening. I was getting so frustrated. Do you know what opened the door for that friendship to move somewhere? Was us getting obsessed with Ted Lasso. That's what it took. But if I would have kept forcing, 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 nothing would have happened. Just let them sit there, wait it out. God will reveal what seat he wants them in. And maybe you're a new friend to somebody else. Just sit there until you figure out what that person needs from you. You have a lot to offer people. It may not be the same thing you offer everyone. Just wait it out. Give it a minute. God will reveal what he wants you to do in that place. And then there's the soulmate. And I wanna mainly talk to single people here for just a second. Single people, where you at? Oh, I'm a single people. All right, my single people. I want to talk to you for a second because a lot of times when we talk about relationships or friendships, you think that because you are not married right now that you are missing out on something, okay? I want us to look at Genesis 2 real quickly. Genesis 2.18, it said, the Lord God said it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable to him. That's oftentimes, we, we misinterpret this verse and we oftentimes think that the only way to not feel alone, the only way to feel fully um, fulfilled is to get married and to have a spouse of some sort. But studies have been done to prove that wrong. I'm gonna read you one and then there's gonna be one on the screen. Let me read you this one first. It said, the myth that romantic love is essentially or biologically different from other types of strong attachment is created and maintained by cultural beliefs and our worldviews, not our biology. So in other words, this is on the screen. You can experience deep emotional bonding and pairing in a variety of different ways as human beings, and the emotion we call love can be experienced in totally different ways too. So what that means to my single friends is, I understand some of you have a strong, strong desire to be in a relationship or to be married. I was that way. With my group of friends, I was the last one to get married. I was the 
maid of honor in about five different weddings. I wish I was lying. I had several people name their kids after me. I mean, it, I was a late bloomer in all senses of the word. But there were people God brought into my life to fill that gap. One of them was the girl that sat in the empty chair. She filled that gap in my life. We connected on a soul level. The soul friend, she says, is a friendship that has a foundation and understanding that sometimes comes with the length of the relationship, but can also just come with recognizing ourselves in each other. And so if you are single, I just want to encourage you, you can still find the attachment and the love and friendships that you're looking for in a spouse or a partner. You don't have to wait to say I do to experience that. And so I don't want, to short, I don't want you to shortchange this season of your life, this singleness. You can begin. What's awesome about this season in your life is that you have so much time to start building and filling all of your seats. In fact, some of us may envy the amount of time and resources you have to fill these seats. I mean, how incredible would it be to walk into a new marriage and a new season of your life, having 11 people in your corner that you used your singleness and time to really build into and develop those relationships. That would be incredible. So I don't want you to miss this message or just to think that you're on the outskirts. No, this is your time now is to really begin to fill these seats with different people in your life. So as you enter into these new seasons, you have people in your corner. And so I wanna leave you with this. What seats need filled in your life? When you walked in here knowing we were gonna be talking about friendship and you felt completely overwhelmed about the idea and completely kind of turned off about friendships because you've been hurt or burned in the past, but now as we've been talking, I'm sure you've had people's names and faces pop into your head. But what seats are empty? What seats need filled with people who are already in your life? I'm not asking you to start from scratch. In fact, I mean, look around. You've got several hundred people in this room right now that could fill these seats. I think what's sad to me is we're walking around lonely and isolated by our own choice. We've chosen this. We got so comfortable just taking care of ourselves and putting up a, a facade of who we are on social media that we are, all, we are living half of our lives. You are not a full, complete image bearer until you are living in relationship. And look around. There are so many people that can fill these seats. You just have to recognize them so God can use them. You need to position yourself for God to bring people to your seats. You need to pull up some chairs. Some of you are so closed off, and I get it. I get your temperaments, okay? I don't get it because I'm not like that, but I've heard from other people, namely Bryant, that it is scary to pull up seats, okay? But I am encouraging you and telling you, listen, you don't, you don't necessarily need to pull up a seat and ask someone to sit. Just pull up a seat, just make yourself available. I'm gonna give you several ways to do that. One is by coming to church. Round of applause, you're all here. So you did the first one. Yes, clap for yourselves. Yay you. All right, here's the second one, community groups. I forgot to share this first service, but I wanna share it now. And I actually think most of these people are in here. So dad, Dale, the eagle as we call him, he, uh, my mother-in-law was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. And so there was about five or six years where dad cared for her around the clock. Um, and I will say this, before that, when dad decided to take Bethel Baptist and turn it into Center Point Church, um, he lost all of his friends during that season. Um, they could not understand why he would want to create a church where unchurched people would love to attend. They did not understand why he wanted to fulfill the Great Commission. And I'm here to tell you that that man risked everything to start Center Point Church. And he is the reason you guys are here today. 
He lost all of his friends, and then he lost his best friend of 53 years. And if anyone could have thrown in the towel, um, it could have been Dale Golden. He could have thrown in the towel about relationships. <clears throat> all of his kids live in this area. He could have said, that's all I need, I'm done, that's it. But that's not Dale Golden. And so about a year ago, he and Mike Walker started a community group in his home, and it is just the cutest thing I ever did see. Okay, he will go over there sometimes and he'll still have the chairs all set up in his living room um, for everybody. They do a, a board game and potluck every once in a while. It is just the sweetest thing. But they're all kind of in the same season of life and they have surrounded, I'm sorry. They have surrounded Dale and become some of his closest friends. And it has been such a joy for Brian and I to watch because I know what he gave up and I know what he lost. And so my point in telling you this story is that it doesn't matter what age or stage of life you're in. I don't care if you're in the second or third season of your life, it is never too late to start community, to start building community, but you just have to make yourself available. You just have to pull up the chairs then maybe some of you, it's just to start serving. I serve over in CC Kids and I have met some of the best people over there serving. Um, and it has been the funnest time in my life is just working and serving along people and getting to know them. And so when you get into a service area, you just get to know people because you're showing up every Sunday doing the same things with them. And it's such an easy way to build relationships and community. And again, some of you, especially you guys, you've been a little weirded out about serving your community groups because you're like, what if I get into a group and I, we're all weird and I just don't click with them. That's okay. Can they fill a seat? Is there a seat they can sit in? They don't need to be your soulmates. Is there somewhere else they can sit? Stop writing people off. I think this last one is so important to me and I, I, um, I can't stress this enough. Do you know the number one way you can pull up a seat for people? Get off your phone. Please get off your phones. I was at the nail salon yesterday because I'm high maintenance like that. And as I was sitting in the massage chair and Pam was working on my toes, there was a lady sitting next to me and she kept like making little comments and stuff. I was actually looking over my message on friendships and relationships and she kept talking and there's just something in me that was like, put your notes away, turn off Instagram and just sit there for a second and see if she'll talk to you. So I did, I put my notes away, turned off my phone and I sat there for a very uncomfortable minute or two. And then all of a sudden, she just started talking. And I started interacting with her and I got her whole life story. And I think she was just lonely. <laughs> there was another time I went to Home Depot to rent a truck because we built a farm in two weeks, but that's another message. And <laughs> I needed a truck and it was Ryder's ninth birthday. So he came with me because that's fun for nine-year-old boys to ride in trucks. And... Um, the guy that was renting me the truck was a little bit like prickly. And as he was walking us out to the truck, for some reason, the Holy Spirit was like, hey, just tell him it's Ryder's birthday. And I'm like, that is weird, but I've done weirder, so sure. So I was like, hey, yeah, it's his birthday. That's why he's with me. And I cannot, this guy turned 180, kindest, most, starts telling me all about his two daughters and about how he's a dad and how much he loves his girls. And this guy was young. And I just thought, we are so lonely. People are so lonely. They just want to be seen. 
They just wanna be invited in. Some of you, you're so prickly because, not because you don't want anyone in your life. Can I tell you something? The most prickly people are the people that want it the most. They've just sometimes been hurt the worst. And we've gotta pull up a seat and offer people to sit down wherever they wanna sit. We're not gonna force them and we're gonna stop putting pressure on ourselves. We're gonna stop putting pressure on other people and we're just gonna get to know people for who they are and we're gonna have fun figuring out what seat they're in and we're gonna enjoy the process of building community because this is not one size fit all. God created us for community, God created us for friendships. So who needs to sit down in your life and where do you need to sit down? Would you guys bow your heads? Jesus, I just pray for each one of us, God, as we're working through this message. This was a fun message, but then also at times it's been really difficult to preach and to even hear and to work through, even on my own, God, of some of the past trauma, some of the past hurt, dealing with um, the empty chairs in my life, um, dealing with the vulnerability that it takes sometimes to invite someone to sit down or to leave open an empty chair. And so God, just take these words, Lord, and have them land where they need to land. And God, I pray that no matter who walks through the doors of Centerpoint Church, that they would always feel like they have a seat, that they would always feel seen, that they would always feel loved, that they would always know that they are worth so much to you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for their sins. Thank you just for this opportunity that we've had to be together. We love you so much. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.